I just. Hey guys, we're back for another episode of Slinging It with QB Velocity. After some time off, uh, we're very excited to be back going again and uh, keeping up with QB Velocity right now. We have a lot going on for private sessions uh, on the field in New Hampshire, Massachusetts. We got a bunch of different uh, events coming up, like our seven on seven tournament showcase clinic. So make sure you're keeping up with that on QBVelocity.com. And today we're uh, very lucky to have uh, Adam Brenneman as a guest on. And Adam has a, a great resume so far uh, in his young career, including being the number one tight end of the nation coming out of high school. In, um, and he started his career out at Penn State before transferring to UMass for his final two seasons, uh, where in 2016, he led the nation in receptions. And in 2020, as a, as a coach, Adam was named one of the, the top 30 coaches under 30. And now you can catch him doing his podcast, The uh, Brenneman Shows Up. So make sure you guys check out that as well. And uh, guys, before we get started with Adam, I just want to uh, dedicate this first episode of the season to uh, somebody very special to me, uh, Coach Chris Rendix. Uh Coach Rendix was my high school offensive line coach. He uh, recently passed away from uh, cancer. Um, coach Rendix was an incredible person uh, who truly had a passion for his players on and off the field. Coach was the gold standard when it came to hometown pride, and having a championship mentality. Uh, he was one of the most hardworking, dedicated, and charismatic guys that I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. Uh, Coach, we love and we miss you, and uh, we're hoping we're making you proud down here. Cool. Adam, thanks for joining us today and taking some time out of your day. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, congrats on everything you guys got going on with your training and all the all the good stuff in this podcast. I'm excited to be on it. Absolutely. Appreciate it. And so the first question we want to ask you is, Kind of thinking back to uh, some of your younger days, when when did you start to develop your passion for the for the game of football? Yeah, it was uh, it was when I was young for sure. I mean, my my dad played college football, so my dad was a uh, was a D three All American tight end, so um, at a at a small school called Delaware Valley College in Pennsylvania. So uh, I grew up kind of like looking at the uh, the press clippings that my mom my mom had saved from when he was in uh, when he was playing college football. So uh, I always knew I wanted to play football. I always wanted to be a tight end. I knew that because my dad played tight end, but. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't athletic enough to play tight end until I really uh, got more coordinated once I hit high school. But I played I played like O-line and Pee Wees and, um, you know, Pop Warner League. Yeah, for sure. And for you, you've been, of course, you went through the recruiting process as a player and then uh, as a coach to recruiting athletes. So what recruiting advice would you have uh, for young athletes? Yeah, recruiting's a, it's a, it's, it's a loaded question just because it's so different for everybody. Um, the process, depending on what level you're at. And, you know, obviously recruiting at the power five level is extremely different than the FCS level and extremely different than the group of five and then all the way down to D3 and D2. And, um, you know, my recruitment was, was wild and crazy and, um, you know, just had so much going on uh, really from the, from the very beginning. I think, you know, one thing that I, that I tell athletes a lot and tell guys is just, you know, a lot of recruiting, especially early on when you're young is, is almost like a self-marketing campaign. 
and you have to find a way to get your to get your film to get your footage in front of um in front of people and to just um you know the, the name of the game nowadays is obviously recruiting sites and 247 and rivals and for better or for worse however you feel about it that's just really what college football revolves around i mean you know during my two years at arizona state as a coach um there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't spend at least three to four hours on two, four, seven, reading, reading their articles, looking at their rankings. Um, not to say that I listen to the rankings, but it's a good baseline and that's how you get a lot of information. Um, so long winded way to say that you really got to find a way to put yourself in front of those, those people and, and get your name out there. Uh, but it all really starts with, with, you know, how you play and, and making sure that you're the caliber that can get recruited at a high level. If you want to, if we're talking that like power five level. Um, so, you know, if, if you're not, if you're not athletic and long and, you know, it's going to be tough to, to, to do it no matter how well you market yourself. But once you get to that level, especially you guys being from New England, like it's a tough place. I, I just talk, I just had Pat Frymuth on my podcast. who's a, mm-hmm. who's a mask guy. Um, you know, and his recruitment, like he was very under recruited strictly because of where he came from. He was probably wasn't marketed all that well. Um, you know, if he was from Florida or from New Jersey or from um, Texas or Arizona or Cali, he'd be a four or five star guy. So you got to find a way to put, put yourself out there and, and, and make sure people know who you are and the scouting services and the coaches and um, just kind of not being afraid to market yourself is, is a big thing. But it all starts with obviously having the talent to do it and just being realistic with where where you play if you're a, if you're you know a five eleven tight end you're probably not going power five um you know or d1 so you just got to be realistic and then and then attack whatever schools you think you can play at yeah for sure and what made you choose penn state coming out of high school yeah it was it was a crazy recruiting process um you know probably i'd say bill o'brien had a big impact on that um who's now the Alabama offensive coordinator was the Penn State head coach, then the Texans head coach. Um, you know, I, I was recruited by Paterno's staff at Penn State. And then, um, you know, then the whole shindig happened there and Paterno left and O'Brien got hired. And then I just loved Bill O'Brien. I mean, he he had just come from the Patriots where they had Gronk and Hernandez. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was, it was just such a interesting time um you know the, the playing that offense when really they were making tight end a sexy position again you know it was kind of cool to be a tight end because of Gronk and because of Hernandez and because of what the Patriots were doing uh so O'Brien sold me on that and then obviously he left and then got to play for James Franklin for a couple of years for sure and then in the transfer process what made you choose UMass uh Really, it was my relationship with Mark Whipple, who was the head coach at UMass at the time. Um, coach Whipple's son is a guy named Austin Whipple, who was a walk-on quarterback at Penn State, and he was actually my roommate at Penn State. So I got to know Mark Whipple pretty well through that time, um, just of him visiting Austin, his son. And, uh, you know, he ended up getting the head coaching job at UMass, and I think he was there like one or two years before I transferred. And it was just funny because – I was kind of going through some injuries at Penn State. And during that time, Austin would kind of say to me, like, hey, dude, you got to come to UMass. Like, my dad will throw you the ball like 60 times a year. Like, you'll have, you'll leave the country in catches. Like, we're going to, we're going to feed you. And, um, you know, I ended up listening to him and went, and it was, it worked out pretty well. We didn't win a ton of games, but I definitely called a lot of passes. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you had an incredible year, uh, your last year at UMass. Why don't you talk a little bit about your last year at UMass? Like, how did that go? Yeah, it was, it was, it was dope. I mean, the, the, really the two years that I was there, um, 
really rejuvenated my career. You know, the first year I went there, I was kind of fresh off missing two seasons at Penn State with my knee injury and, uh, you know, found a way to kind of come back from it and, uh, you know, played at a pretty high level that whole season in 2016, I believe. God, that sounds like forever ago. 2016, um, I think it was. And, you know, had some big games against South Carolina and Florida and some big SEC teams. And, um, you know, it was kind of – it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, I made the, made the decision at that point, like was thinking about, do I just like take a shot at the NFL right after that season or, or come back for one more year? Um, you know, and kind of decided that I wanted to come back for another year and try to become the best in the country. Uh, and, and, you know, I think I had a pretty good season that second year. You know, the problem was I, my knee was pretty jacked up the whole time I was there. And um, it was kind of a big secret that we tried to keep from all the scouts that would come and try to look at me. Uh, but my knee was like slowly deteriorating at that point. And, you know, it was, it was frustrating, but during that last year I had at UMass, it was pretty tough. I, I wasn't practicing anymore. I was only playing in games, um, you know, was having to get painkillers for games. Uh, and then, you know, got a senior bowl invite, got a combine invite, you know, got the whole, the whole nine yards, but ended up failing my first physical at the, com- at the senior bowl and, couldn't even run at the end of the season. So it became pretty, you know, I, I went, I went around and looked at and met with some doctors and um, it became pretty clear early on that I w- couldn't play football um, anymore. And it was frustrating because it was so close to the draft, but, you know, looking back on it, I had a pretty darn good two years at UMass and a couple years at Penn State and feel like I got to accomplish a lot of cool things and, um, you know, pretty thankful for that, that whole experience of college football. And I got to do things that a lot of people don't get to do. So, um, it was, it's, it's tough looking back on it just because I didn't get to play in the NFL, but, um, you know, always been other things other than just football, you know, out there. So it was kind of, it wasn't as difficult to overcome as I think some might have thought. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of other things other than football, um, so we, a lot of our viewers are like young guys, like we deal with a lot of young guys, human velocity. Um, so we press like student athlete a lot. Uh, how do you balance your time as a student athlete? Yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I always thought that school was important. I mean, I, I got, I finished my undergrad at Penn State in just a, just three years when I was playing football and then got my master's at, Penn, at, at UMass when I was playing. And I just always knew that for me, like football was going to be over someday and that there was always something, there's always things I wanted to do outside of just football and that, you know, getting a free education that I might as, if I don't take advantage of that and like try to get as many degrees and credits as I possibly could that it's kind of a disservice to um like getting a free education it's kind of like a slap in the face of the whole system um so I mean I grinded I, I worked hard to get to do I mean I always found time I mean if it's important to you you'll find time to do it the whole excuse of like we don't have time it's just like I mean you know there's always time um you just got to prioritize and, and sacrifice some things that you may not want to sacrifice but you got to do uh, so yeah, I think it's really important and and you know, I think the reality is if you're if you're lucky enough to play in the NFL, your your career is probably done by the time you're 30 uh, and you really have the majority of your professional career uh, outside of the game of football or outside of playing football, at least. So, uh, you know, if you don't prepare for that, it's, it, it, that's why you see so many guys go broke. So many guys with depression and drinking problems and um, because you got guys who end their football careers. you're the man for your whole life. And then when everyone else is accelerating in their careers and making a lot of money, you no longer making money um, for NFL guys. So it's just important, I think, to plan for that and uh, to make sure you have a plan outside of football. And that that starts in the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
so now back to training and uh, playing and everything like that. What made you like? How did you get to the next level? Like, what made you stand out from the other guys? I guess a lot of things. I mean, number one is just like it's things you're born with. I mean, just being long and tall and being able to run. Um, you know, that's always that's always the first thing. You know, you got to check the box like physically to be able to go to that. You know, to the highest level of the sport. Um, but you know, I think for me, like I didn't know when I was a freshman or a sophomore in high school, like if that I was going to play division one football. And I think I just kept like, I decided really early on that I wanted to play football in college. And then I was going to make the commitment to like doing everything I could, no matter what, no matter if I ended up growing, keep growing. For me at that time, it was, I was too skinny. I I was like 180 pounds. Um, So at that time it was like, am I going to be able to gain the weight to play tight end? Cause I can't play wide receiver. I was playing like safety. I can't play safety. Like I'm not physical enough. I'm not, not big enough. So, you know, at that point you just like commit, commit yourself to your craft. And I did a lot of things that like, that I didn't want to do with like making sure to try to gain weight. I was like waking up in the middle of the night and like eating. So I got more calories in like things like that, that I just decided to do and made the decision that like, it was something that was important to me. And you got to be willing to sacrifice if there's things that are important to you. So um, you know, I sacrificed partying in high school. I didn't do any of that. I mean, I, I didn't, didn't drink, didn't do anything that a lot of the high school kids do nowadays. If they think they're working hard, you know, like you got to sacrifice. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you, all you can really do is give it your best shot. And for a lot of guys that probably watch this, like, you don't know, like you may not be a six, five, 240 pound freak that has a 40 inch vertical, but, um, you know, if you're young enough, you also don't know. I mean, I just, I had Kenny Pickett on my podcast the other day. And I was talking to Kenny about, obviously, he's probably going to be the first quarterback drafted in this year's draft. I think the Panthers and the Saints are going to take him early early in the first round. Um, like, his freshman and sophomore year of high school, he was, like, 5'10". Five, five, and, like, people laughed at him when they said he was going to play Division One football. Um, you know, same, like, so you just don't know when. And then his, like, senior year, he had a growth spurt. He was committed to, like, Temple that was like his biggest offer was temple and he thought he was going to go to temple. And then all of a sudden he grows two inches and now every power five school in America won some, and now he's Kenny Pickett. Um, so just like examples like that, like you, you just got to commit yourself to your craft. And uh, I think good things end up happening a lot of the time. And if they don't, if it doesn't go the way you want it to do, at least you can go to sleep at night knowing you gave it everything you had and you may end up going to play D2 football, which is damn good football. Um, you know, and, and you did everything you could to get to that level. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of transitioning to your experience as a coach. So how was um, your experience uh, getting into coaching at Arizona State? It was awesome. I mean, it, it um, you know, it had been something that I, I had thought about doing for a while, but wasn't really sure if I wanted to commit to the coaching and that lifestyle. Um, you know, one day uh, Herm Edwards just called me because I, I knew Herm from my time when I was in the in the uh, Under Armour All-American game. So I was in that game. He was the head coach at it. And so I had met him then. Herm was obviously on ESPN, then got the then got the ASU head coaching job. He just calls me one day and is like, hey, I'm looking for, for a, um, a, a new coach. I could, like, help coach the tight ends. Would you be interested? And I was like, I mean, I guess. Like, it sounds pretty cool. Like, ASU, like, living in Phoenix, like, sounds pretty cool. Um, so I ended up doing an interview with him and the offensive coordinator, and they offered me a job on, like, a Friday. And, like, a Monday I was in Phoenix. Like, I was, I was living in Pennsylvania. So I picked up my whole life, moved to Phoenix, started coaching at ASU, got promoted after a year. 
um, to tight ends coach and um, was one of, the, one of the youngest tight ends coaches or one of the youngest assistant coaches in the country, which was pretty neat being 25 years old and 26 and getting to coach my own room and, and things like that. And learned so much about the game of football and had a, really, a lot of really cool mentors like Marvin Lewis and Herm Edwards and Antonio Pierce and I mean, so many legends in the game of football. Donnie Henderson. I mean, just there are a lot of cool dudes. Brian Billick is now at ASU. A lot of cool guys that um, I got to be around and learn from. And, um, you know, just really thankful for the, for the uh, you know, for the opportunity. And, um, you know, kind of helped propel my career forward, not just in football, but in things outside of football. And, uh, you know, really uh, gave me a lot of cool experiences. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And what what advice would you have for young coaches who are in they're in their coaching career? They're you know they're in that grind. What what advice did you have for them? Yeah, I mean, I think if it's if it's um, you know, first of all, you just got to be knowledgeable and keep learning. And um, you know, I think football struggles a little bit from a from a standpoint of like um, overthinking things at times. Like a lot of coaches like spend way too much time in their office on during game week. Like that was something pretty cool about like what Herm used to do at ASU is like, I mean, he wouldn't let us stay in there past like eight o'clock on a weekday. Um, like during, you know, during the season, he, I mean, he, I mean, it, we wouldn't even stay in there close to eight o'clock off season, but during the season, he's like, if you guys can't come up with a game plan during four days a week from 7am to 7pm, like you guys suck at your jobs. Um, you know, you're just sitting there like just parallel. What's the, there's a term for it, like paralyzation of thought or something like it's like a philosophical term or a psychological term. Um, but like, I just think knowing like having that like balance of like, not like, you know, so I know coaches that stay in the office till 2 a.m. during game week, like it's just ridiculous. Um, you know, trust your, trust your, your mind and like your thoughts, be able to put together a game plan, like just continue to develop yourself professionally, be around other cool coaches. You know, in college football nowadays, I mean, just the games change completely. I mean, it's as a coach. I mean, your 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 time is really, I'd say, almost eighty percent talent acquisition, and really twenty percent like talent development. And and it's sad to say, but that's just what the game is. I mean, as a coach, you know, when you're getting interviewed and you're getting looked at to be a coach, I mean, the va- the the vast majority of your interview of people evaluating you is done on can you recruit um yeah and it's almost like the coaching part secondary which is sucks for the development of players and things like that but if you're a young coach that shows to be a grinder and willing to do things other people don't want to do and like you know just recruit your butt off that you got a chance to you know rise up pretty quickly and you see it with a lot of young guys in college football nowadays um but that's not to say like i mean you gotta have you can't be can't about football just because, you know there's a balance there but um you know it's really just hard work when you're when you're a young coach and you're trying to make it in college football you got to be able to grind and recruit and call kids and do things that um you know just just work at it more than the guy you're trying to beat out and because it, it's really it's really a game and it's, it's a, a competition at the end of the day yeah absolutely so um as a player and you as a coach what can a what can a player do to make a coach's job easier on the like I mean, yeah, on and off the field. Yeah, that's a good, good, uh, good question. Um, you know, in college football, like for us, it always helped when, you know, I don't know, it may be different for like some, like whether it's high school coaches or high school programs, but I just always appreciated when a guy came in to meetings for a day or came into practice, like 
and had done some preparation for that day before he got there. It wasn't, you know, in college, we give the guys the script and the install the day before. So they'll get it and they can review it that night before they come into meetings for an install meeting before practice that next day. Um, and I just always appreciated when guys like spent some time to look at the script and, and to come in with questions and having, you know, the, the time, like when you watch the film with your coaches, like if you have access to it, cause I know there's different levels of football, like, but if you have access to that film, when you watch it with your coaches, that should be like the fourth time you're watching. Um, and that's the time to like ask questions, like really dive into things. Like you don't, you never want the install meeting right before practice to be the first time you're watching that film yeah. or in, in the other scenario, you don't want the first time after a game to be the, the to, for the first time to be watching the game from the film to be with your coach. Like you want to know like what's going to be brought up in that film session. So number one, you can ask questions. You're ready. You're, you're ready for questions that are going to be asked of you. Like what happened here? Um, but it just helps your development. You know, I just, what I just said there was a quote. I think I saw, I heard like Peyton Manning say it like, like there was never a time that he watched film with a coach that it was the first time he saw that film. Um, and I think that's just like a good mindset to live by. Like it should at least be the second time. Like you should, have, you should be watching that stuff on your own. And like I said, like you may say, well, I have school, I have this, I have that. Like there's always time. You got to make sacrifices and you don't need to sacrifice sleep. Um, you got to sacrifice scrolling through TikTok or Snapchatting or, you know, hanging out with your friends for four hours and everyone's like, I don't have time. You know, like we hear that we used to hear that all the time. I don't have time. Like, well, yeah, well, you yeah. spend four hours, you know, scrolling through TikTok before you go to bed, you know? <laughs> so it's like, there's always time. You just got to sacrifice some, some things. And um, a lot of times things end up working out. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I definitely agree with all that. I mean, I'm a college coach as well. So like, that's something I really appreciate is when guys are putting in that extra work of coming to yeah. eat with me and they're, checking out the, their film on their own. And like you said, the installs and everything, and it, it just builds that, sure. that trust factor too. Right. So. Um, yeah. yeah. 100%. So uh, you, uh, you mentioned your podcast a little bit. Um, so you just started your podcast, like not too long ago, right? Yeah. I think I'm on, I think it was like four, three weeks ago. Yeah. All right. So what made you want to jump into the podcast? Yeah. So I, um, I have a, uh, you know, I'd kind of done some media stuff for a while. Um, you know, really, when I got out of um, playing football, I, I jumped in the media thing. I had a radio show with CBS that I did talking like Pennsylvania, like Penn State pit football. Um, I had a podcast back then, um, did some color commentary for games on like ESPN2 and Fox Sports and Stadium Sports Network and things like that. And then um, you know, just kind of decided recently that I wanted to kind of dive all in in this space. I think that the sports media space and the intersection of media, technology, sports, and then even like with the Web3 like um, component of it with like, um, you know, cryptocurrency, NFTs, like it's all this space that's just like kind of diving together right now. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to be at the forefront of it and made some investments like personally and decided that it's something I wanted to do and, and, and uh, kind of build this kind of um, media um, brand and network uh, or like show network and, and kind of launched it a couple of weeks, probably about a month ago now. So, um, you know, I think it's an interesting time, especially with like gambling in the space now, like you've got legalized sports gambling, which like changes the whole game from a financial standpoint. Uh, but really I wanted to, this, the, show, the, the, the concept for this show in particular is 
I wanted to be able to do a show that shines the light on athletes, influencers, entertainers, mostly athletes right now, because we're doing a lot of like my football buddies. Um, but big time athletes like, and, and they get the CSI you don't get to see. So I, I basically, I basically pull up on the dudes, pull up at their crib and we just sit, sit down with my video crew and just like talk. And it's very informal. Like, I don't really like come with notes and stuff. Like we just, we just hang out and, and talk and, um, yeah, got some cool guests. Like Kenny Pickett was the first one, which was a huge, huge guest to get like very appreciative of Kenny letting us come to his apartment and doing that. Um, just did Pat Fryermuth, the um the Steelers tight end from Massachusetts Chase Edmonds literally just came out like three minutes ago um uh Chase Edmonds the new Dolphins running back former Cardinals running back um Mike Kosicki's episode will be out soon working on doing like uh working on Saquon working on a couple cool dudes who um should be pretty fun episodes and I'm excited to kind of keep keep it ripping and we're doing like one a week now I've been traveling a bunch for it but it's been pretty fun that's awesome, man. It seems like you've had a great experience with it so far. And uh, I know we're looking forward to looking at the stuff. I know I was watching the uh, Kenny Pickett episode a little bit today, and that just Appreciate seems it, like you have fun with it. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, the, uh, it's definitely definitely a fun thing to do. And, and the, the, it's been cool, like, kind of revisiting with some guys I haven't talked to in a while. You know, like Kenny. I haven't seen Kenny in years. So um, cool to kind of just keep building that relationship. Yeah, 100%. Um, so kind of to wrap it up, um, how have you used experiences in football for the next part of your life? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think football teaches life, right? Like football teaches a lot of what you go through in life. I think at a young age, um, you know, I was just saying this, it's funny. I was just on another show a couple of days ago talking about this, like, um, you know, the football locker room is like one of the only, it's like one of the most diverse, like, a most interesting entanglement of people that you, that you see in like humanity. And I know it's like a big phrase, but like, it really is. I mean, like I'll be at my locker at any, any team I've been on and you got guys beside you that are just so different than you in every aspect guys. You got guys that come from that. Who's come from families worth hundreds of millions of dollars to, to kids that grew up on streets without knowing where they were going to, where they were going to sleep at night. You got black, white, Hispanic, I mean, Asian, everything. You got Christian, Jewish, Muslim. I mean, everything you can possibly think, straight, gay, like everything you possibly could think of is in a locker room. Um, You know, so it's really an interesting thing. And like when you're in that locker room, like nothing else matters other than that just you're on the football team and you're just trying to win games and you're just there for each other. Um, So I think if like the rest of the world could take a little, little sneak peek at like what it's like inside a football locker room and how, you know, you're just brothers in there. And it's just, you know, you don't care if the guy beside you grew up different than you or if, look, if he looks different or if he talks different or got a weird accent or, you know, it's just, it just teaches life. So I think, you know, from that standpoint, football teaches it and it teaches adversity and like having to overcome things. And, you know, life isn't always going to be great and, and things are going to happen to you, but it's all about how you respond to it. You know, it's not, not the cards you're dealt, it's how you play the hand. And I think in football and in life, you're going to be knocked down. You're going to be told that you suck. You're going to have people do you. You're going to have people hating on you. You're also going to have a lot of highs. And then how do you handle the highs? How do you handle it when you have a game and you go 14 catches for 200 yards, two touchdowns? Like, are you going to go out and party two days in a row and think that you made it? Or are you going to, like, go watch the film and grind it out? Um, you know, so just things like that. I think t- football teaches you, and it, it's a great preparer for the rest of your life. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That's definitely a great point and 
that's pretty much uh, all we had for the show today, Adam. Very thankful for you to come on, take some time out of your day. It was a, an awesome episode. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I, think, I appreciate you having me, and um, I'd love to come back sometime soon, too. If you guys got any more questions, I'll, I'll love to come back. Yeah, for awesome. sure. Definitely love to have you back on. And make sure you guys go check out uh, Adam's show, Brandman Shows Up. Does a lot of great content on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. So make sure you guys go check that, check that out. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you.